Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He goes to those guys, and with them, they're going to make prayer a priority. And if you face a crisis within your life, make prayer a priority. That's step one. If you're going through a crisis right now, make prayer a priority. And don't just do it by yourself. That's good. You pray by yourself, that's fine. But bring in other people who are like-minded, like-minded, and probably share some of the same convictions that you do. Most people, if they're honest, envy people of power and status. These people seem to have it all, money, respect, privilege, and honor. Yet, as Pastor James will teach us today, even the most important people on earth are insignificant compared to God. And deep down, everyone of prestige and position fears everybody else. They don't trust anyone, and they lack any sense of peace. God holds no one in high esteem and will bring down even the highest people. So don't envy them. Just look to God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Why is it so urgent? Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. This is amazing. This is like bold faith. This is just absolute, amazing, bold faith being produced or demonstrated by a teenage kid named Daniel who may have been anywhere from 17 to 18, maybe 19 years old. And he, he requests a presence in front of the king. So he says, give me some time. I'll tell you what the interpretation is. I mean, he's making like, this is a statement of faith because he doesn't know what the interpretation is. He doesn't know what the dream is, but he knows I serve the one true God who does know the hearts and the mind of men. Daniel probably was aware of, what's it, Psalm 139, verse 2, where, yeah, God does know our thoughts. <laughs> he absolutely knows our thoughts, whether they're in, in an awakened state or, or an asleep state. God knows our thoughts. He knows what's going on inside of our minds. So he requests the king to appoint him a time. And that's the other part of that that's such a bold, a bold move by Daniel. He's like, you tell me when you want the interpretation. You tell me when you want it by. You give me the deadline. You give me the deadline. He requests, he asks the king to appoint him a time. He's like, all right, king, um, I think I have a solution to your problem. You just tell me when you want it. And he probably maybe elaborated a little bit more to Nebuchadnezzar in the sense of like, now I may need some time, you know, but I think even if Nebuchadnezzar had done something such as like, well, I want it right now, I do believe God could have been like, boom, there you go, Daniel, right then, right there. But Nebuchadnezzar gives him some time, which is kind of amazing, the... um, just the, the relationship, so to speak, that Daniel had with some of these leaders. There was something about him that these leaders... 
I believe, trusted. And I think it speaks of his integrity and it speaks of his character. Because he is given some time. Verse 17 tells us that Daniel went to his house and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from God, from the God of heaven, concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So their lives are on the line. He's like, fellas, if there's a time to pray, it's now. (laughs) If there was ever a time to pray, it's right now. We need to beg and we need to appeal to the God of heaven for mercy. Not just for themselves, but for these other guys. So then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So I love this. Daniel, upon getting this favor from the king, so to speak, he goes and he, what he does is he gathers the three other guys that were with him. They were also the ones who abstained from the king's delicacies and they just ate the vegetables and they just drank the water and all that good stuff. And they were 10 times better than everybody else. He goes to those guys and with them, they're going to make prayer a priority. And if you face a crisis within your life, make prayer a priority. That's step one. If you're going through a crisis right now, make prayer a priority. And don't just do it by yourself. That's good. You pray by yourself, that's fine. But bring in other people who are like-minded, like-minded, and probably share some of the same convictions that you do. Because I do think it's interesting that of all the other ones from Israel... Daniel goes and gets the three other guys who joined in with him who had the same conviction to not eat the king's delicacies and to not drink the king's wine, but to eat the vegetables and to drink the water. Daniel plus his friends had purpose within their hearts not to defile themselves. And that's the ones he went and found and had this prayer meeting with. You and I need to be doing the same thing. Make prayer a priority, but you better make sure that that prayer circle, make that prayer circle that of, of individuals who are sharing those same kind of convictions. I mean, make, especially, when, especially when your life is on the line, so to speak, when it's really going down, I hope that you have people that you can reach out to and that you can cry out to and, and you can circle up with you and say, we need to pray right now. You gotta pray right now. You have to have those people within your life. You have to. Not to say that some of these other people aren't good you know, to ask for prayer and all that good stuff. They are, that's fine. But I just know that when it came down to it, when their lives were on the line, Daniel went and found three specific individuals. And with those three specific individuals, they prayed. They prayed. And that's my encouragement for, for all of us is you should have that prayer circle, so to speak. Who are maybe those three people where it's like, man, when it's going down, these are the, these are the individuals that I reach out to. Daniel had that. And they prayed, and God answered their prayer. And so the second part of that thing is you make prayer a priority, but here's the other side of that. You make praise a priority. Because before he even ran to Nebuchadnezzar, he praised God, and he thanked God. They had a little worship time between Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They had a worship session right there thanking God for answering their prayers. That's such a good example, such a good model for us to follow. We make prayer a priority, and we make praise a priority. That's what we ought to be doing. 
That's what we ought to be doing. So with those circle of individuals that you may have within your life that you bring into the fold, when God answers those prayers in whatever form or fashion he does, I hope you're worshiping as well. I hope you're praising as well, right? Don't miss out on that. We oftentimes miss out on that part so much, you know, because the storm's raging, and then God steps into the midst of our storm, and he calms the seas, and we're usually just like, whoo, praise God. But not like, praise God, but like, oh, I'm so glad that's over. And amen to that response. I get it. But where's the worship? Where's the worship session? Where's that like... You know what we, what we want to do? Let's bless the God of heaven right now. Make that a part of your practice. Prayer is a priority. Praise is a priority, okay? All right, so they go on. Um, and here's how Daniel blesses him. This is, a, this is a really cool little insight into this. And, and keep in mind, this is in Aramaic. Even this little praise, this is in Aramaic. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have made known and now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. So even in the midst of that little praise that he attributes to God, he kind of gives us a little bit of insight and a heads up concerning the dream. I mean, he says it right there. You change the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings, removes rulers and sets up rulers. This is all wrapped around this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. So verse 24, therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Really cool. And all the wise men are like, woohoo, praise God for Daniel, right? They're like, they're, well, their fingers crossed, right? They're like, man, we hope this kid knows what he's doing. Because um, if he doesn't, well, we're dead. Uh, but Daniel's like, no, 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 hold on. Let me talk to the king. So Arioch brought Daniel in before the king. This is verse 25. In haste and said thus to, to him, to King Nebuchadnezzar, this is where Arioch will make a great politician, a great politician down the road, right? Because he says, I have found. <laughs> no, you didn't, you liar. No, you didn't. You didn't find Daniel. Daniel came and found you. He's like, I have found King Nebuchadnezzar. I need you to know, buddy. I, your servant, have found the answer to your solution. <laughs> or the answer, not your solution, your problem. What am I talking about? Uh, I, I love that. And the Bible is really good about including little details like that with some of these guys. I have found Daniel, <laughs> right? And you're like, yeah, you're destined for a bright future in politics there, buddy. Um, you just sign up. Just, just, you know, I'm sure you'll get the votes. Uh, all right. He says, from among the exiles from Judah, a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. That's what they renamed him. Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers 
can show the king the mystery that the king has asked, which Daniel will be included within that group because he's part of the wise men. So Nebuchadnezzar's like, okay, so you can tell me the dream and its interpretation. Daniel's like, no. No, actually, I can't. I can't. I can't. And those knuckleheads back there can't either. None of us can. And you're thinking like, Daniel, what are you doing? Are you, can you imagine being with some of those Chaldeans and those, <laughs> those guys in the room who are like, what? Seriously, dude? We thought you had the answer. He's like, no, no, none of us can. This is beyond us. But, verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he, he, God, has made known to the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. So Daniel's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't, please don't. I didn't do this. God gave this to me. That's a tremendous uh, insight into, again, the character of Daniel. And I think this is why some of these rulers love this guy, because he was humble and he was honest. He's like, I didn't do it. God gave me the answer. Like, I, I do have the answer, but man, it's not because I'm smart. It's not because of my wisdom or anything. It's only because of him, because only God can reveal what's happening in your, you know, in your mind as you're sleeping. He's like, but there's a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who can do it. And he goes on to say, you know, verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in bed, came the thoughts of what would be after this. And he reveals mysteries, made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I, I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So again, he's just re-emphasizing there, like, listen, it wasn't me. This is God. Nebuchadnezzar, God gave you a dream. And he's also giving you the interpretation of what that dream means. He's telling you the future, Nebuchadnezzar. He's telling you what's going to happen, not just in your lifetime, but until the end. Until the end. What he gave you is a really big dream. A really big dream. So here's where Daniel goes to interpret this thing. Verse 31, you saw, O king, and behold, a great image, tremendous image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The, really, the, the better, I think, used word there, term, would be awesome. And it's one that I overuse way too much. Um, you probably notice that in any text message you get from me. Awesome, awesome, right? And you're like... It's, you're, you're taking the effect off the word, James. You use it too much, right? So it's the, but that really is what's happening. The appearance was awesome, okay? Frightening is how some translations put it. That's the ESV. New King James, I think, does um, terrifying or something like that. Uh, but it was just an, it's an awe-inspiring, awesome image. Verse 32, the head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, the stone was cut, cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like uh, chaff, right? Almost like dust of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. 
but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So he's like, uh, that's your dream, Nebuchadnezzar. And he's like, holy cow. <laughs> like this dude, like you can imagine just what like maybe Nebuchadnezzar's eyes probably like saucers, you know, as Daniel's really going into detail of like, here's what you dreamed. You saw a statue. Its head was made of gold. Its arms and chest out of silver. And then it's midsection out of bronze and then iron and then iron mixed with clay. He's like, that's what you saw. But then you saw this huge rock carved not by human hands to come down and totally obliterate this statue. That's what you dreamed about. Nebuchadnezzar's like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, he's right. So here's the interpretation, because that's what we want to know, right? Verse 36, this was a dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom. Oh, don't miss that. You, you're the king. You're in the, the term here, king of kings, it's not the same as like Jesus being the king of kings, okay? At, at this moment in time within this region, he's top dog, Nebuchadnezzar is. He's the king of kings. But he didn't get there through blood. He didn't get there through relation. He didn't get there through skill or cunning or money or anything like that. You are only the king because God put you there. It's a good wake-up call for Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel just drops it on him. He's like, you're a king. You're a powerful king. But you're not a king unless God put you here. The same applies to all rulers within this day and our day and the next day. Whatever kings or rulers are, are in positions, whether we like them or not or agree with them or not, whatever, they are only in those positions because God has allowed that to happen, right? Now, this is a hard pill for us to swallow, especially within this country right now. Biden is not president unless God has this as part of his plan, right? Does it make him a good president? No, not at all. I don't think that dude knows what he's doing, right? He's, they're not always going to be good ones, right? They're not always going to be bad ones. But by and large, whoever's there is there because God has placed them there. You know, we can fuss and cry and all that stuff about it. That's fine. Just tell me you're praying for those people who are in charge, Christians. Just tell me you're still praying for them because they're still people. And if they don't know the Lord, then their destination has been set unless they surrender their lives to the Lord. Tell me you care about that. Tell me you care about souls going to hell. Tell me you're moved with compassion to pray for people that you don't like, you don't agree with, because you don't want to see people go to hell. Please tell me that's what's happening. We can, we can not agree and not like whoever's in charge. I get it. That's fine. You have your own opinions. We have our opinions. But tell me you're still praying for their souls and their salvation. Because if you're not, then that's sin. Then that's sin. And I don't care how bad of a leader they are. That doesn't remove the guilt of you not caring about their souls, right? That's my little spiel there, okay? I'm not a polit political guy, not at all. Um, I, I just ex verbally express to you my own opinions of our current president. Again, I don't think the guy knows what he's doing, honestly. I just don't. But whatever, my opinion doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you could agree or disagree with me. I don't really care. Here's the thing. Am I praying for him? 
Was I praying for the last guy? What, number 45? Can we? I don't even think we can say the guy's name anymore, right? Donald Trump, he was president. Was I praying for that guy? I was praying for that. Was I praying for the guy before him, Obama? Yeah, I was praying for that guy. Did I agree with? No, I did not. I didn't. I haven't agreed with many of the presidents, honestly. But it's still supposed to pray for our leaders. We're still supposed to pray for these guys. And you know what? Just like Nebuchadnezzar, if they're doing something wrong, just hold on for a couple more chapters. God knows how to deal with leaders who have lost their minds, who are sinful leaders. He knows how to get them. He can get them. Maybe that's part of how we pray. Lord, get them. I don't know. Turn them into a cow, Lord. Make them eat grass out in the field like Nebuchadnezzar does. I don't know. But here's the main thing. Nebuchadnezzar is only there because God has allowed it to happen. And he was cruel. He was wicked. Absolutely cruel. I mean, he put out one of the kings of Israel's eyes right after he murdered his, had his sons murdered. So that was the last thing he saw. Wicked. He's there because God placed him there. He's there because God placed him there. And he'll be removed when God wants him to be removed. And that's just how it goes. Strong opinions. That might fire up some people. I know. I get it. Whatever. Um, my email address is ronhint at calvaryhouston.com. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's going to be funny if Ron gets some emails. Um, I love Ron Hint. <laughs> so um, send him an email anyways. Um, there you go. James, Pastor James said, uh, no, I didn't. I'm just joking. So anyways, Daniel's letting him know, you're the king because God has placed you there. Um, he's given you the kingdom, power, and the might, and the glory. And into whose hands he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, uh, making you rule over them all. And you were the head of gold. That's so that immediately goes to Nebuchadnezzar's head. We know that because just read the next chapter. It totally, it literally goes to his head. He's like, whoa, what? Hey, I'm the head of the gold. Like, I'm the head of this thing and I'm ruling over everything. And yet, that's a bad ruler when it goes to their head. Another kingdom, verse 39, inferior to you shall arise after you. And yet a third kingdom of bronze, who, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be divide, a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay. Verse 42, and as... The toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with the soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. Verse 44, in and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. That is the kingdom of God, okay? Just as you saw that a stone was cut from the mountain by no human hand and that it broke into pieces the iron, the bronze, um, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken. 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the book of Daniel together, and it's quite an interesting book to cover. From fiery furnaces to strange visions to having a faith that goes against society enough to be thrown to the lions, the book of Daniel is anything but boring. In fact, we hope your faith is spurred on because of what you read and learn in this book. If you need to hear this message again or would like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary in Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come and visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Wednesday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m. You're welcome to join us anytime. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit breadforthebroken.com. You can also get directions there. We're excited to meet you and spend time in worship with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Daniel and gear up for what's ahead in this prophetic book. It's almost like a roller coaster ride where you're not sure what's around the next corner, but what you'll come to find out is rather thrilling, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.